Well, it has been a little while since we did this, but welcome back. Stairway to Sevens, I'm Liam, that's Jimbo. How you doing, Jimbo? Good, good. So, we've got a pretty pretty interesting show today. We've got uh, Nadine Ruiz from the South African national team talking to us. Um, so, we're really excited about that. But at the top of the show, as we always do, thank you to thecover.com.au. There's some really good stuff going on on the website at the moment. If you haven't checked it out, there's uh, Michael Motter, who is our first writing contributor. So you're a podcast contributor. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, he's can't a write. He's a writer. <laughs> yeah, well, you're from Tasmania, so. <laughs> uh, so he's doing uh, some self isolation movie lists. So he's gone through. This is his third list. Went up this week. It's a chick flicks list, so Ooh, right up your alley. Okay. Uh, the first two lists were comedy lists, so comedy classics and some other comedy list. I didn't read it, but he is a very, very talented young man, so I, I would highly recommend checking that out. And then there's like half a dozen of my ramblings on there, Liam's musings, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, if that interests you, you can you can check that out. Jimbo hasn't because he can't read either. No. I keep <laughs> read it to me over FaceTime. <laughs> uh Bit of uncertainty. So the last last podcast we did, you know, we were pretty excited for uh, Canada, for Langford to happen. That's now been postponed, cancelled, I don't know, postponed indefinitely. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, with, it, with everything that's happened with COVID-19, uh, yeah, just, you know, we're not really sure. Not only when, when rugby and, and rugby sevens is going to, uh, come back, but you know when life kind of resembles what it did three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, and it's pretty. It's obviously a pretty tricky situation with each country sort of dealing with it differently. You know, especially with international sports tournaments. You know, when when they can look to return is is pretty uncertain. Mm. Given you know all it takes is one one country to be behind the eight ball, so to speak, and it just keeps pushing it. Yeah, keep, keeps permeating. Uh, the the other thing I've been asked a lot about is. Um, you know, the current financial situation at, at Rugby Australia. And yes, Rugby Australia is is looking down the barrel of a $120 million loss. But at, at this point in time, you actually have to treat sevens and fifteens as, as almost two separate national sporting orgs. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, and I figured I'd just do it on this podcast because I'm sick of giving the same answer to, to everyone who asked me. Um, Sevens is funded predominantly uh, through Sport Australia, formerly the Australian Sports Commission, so th- through Olympic money. Um, and that was largely based on their finish at the last Olympics. Yeah, um, part of the winning winning edge model. Winning edge model, which is it, – it is being phased out, but it has sort of carried over. And then obviously it, it gets um, – g- given the, the team's performance, you know, in the four years in between – the Olympics, it gets topped up based on on those um, on those performances as well. So sevens should be fine, or you know, it should, it should be okay. It's not going to be impacted the same way that the fifteen aside game is because the fifteen aside guys, you know, they rely on heavily on television revenue, heavily on corporate partnerships, um, heavily, heavily, heavily on the test series that, that comes out every year, um, you know, heavily on their events and, and that sort of thing. And, and, they, and they've also got a lot more baggage or a lot more weight. I shouldn't call it baggage because it's, it's actually really important, the stuff that they're doing, but they've got a lot more weight um, in terms of the competitions that they fund. So, you know, you're looking at the NRC, the junior gold, um, you know, community rugby is funded by rugby Australia to a degree. There's a, you know, it varies from union to union, but it's a few hundred thousand dollars that gets injected uh, into local rugby every year, or into the local state unions every year. Um, so there's a lot more outgoings, and you know, yeah, it's sad. It's really, really sad to see, 
Um, no one could have prepared for this. There's been a lot of bashing going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, yeah, I don't care how white and male you are. There is absolutely no way you could have prepared uh, any business no. for, for what's happened. No. Um, and especially the, the, the long-term, you know, outlook for it. Yeah, it, it is so uncertain how, how long you would have had to plan for it, you know. Yeah. And the, the other point I want to make um, is there, there's been a lot of talk about this $9.4 million loss. I was uh, initially uh, a massive... I was a massive critic of that, but then I went back and looked at previous um, financial reports from Olymp- uh, from not Olympic years, from World Cup years, and they're the same. They're, they're, there's about a nine ten million dollar loss during World Cup years, and it's because you don't have those um, you don't have those test series yeah. in in Australia. Yeah. Um, so, or you got a lot of outgoing costs with no no return, no return. through ticket sales and TV and all that. Yeah. Correct. So. Um, so I, I, yeah, I thought that was a good opportunity to just put that out there too. Um, that it's actually not as, as significant as, as it sounds. Um, and, and it's budgeted for in terms of the next forecast, um, to not have that 9.4 million. So, um, so yeah, onto some positive stuff. We do have a new window for the Olympics. I know there was some talk about doing it behind closed doors, uh, which, you know, I think the athletes would have been happy with, but yeah, well, most of the the smaller sports, or you know, especially in Australia, not our big sports, swimming and and those sort of sports, a lot of the smaller sports were quite happy to compete behind closed doors because that's what they're used to doing. Yeah. Anyway, at, yeah. at the national level, um, but yeah, found found a new window in twenty twenty one. So yeah. I, th- I think the only major tournament that they had they had to fit it around was the um, athletics. Diamond yeah, Series, yep. so every everybody else was pretty happy to to can their world champs and world events to, to make the Olympics happen, which is which has been fantastic. Yeah, and I, you know that's I guess you know looking at it through a positive lens, that's it's one of the great things about what's happened is that it's forced everyone to start working together. Yeah, there there has been some some significant silver linings. Yeah, in that sense. But but then I guess looking at, at the sevens program here in Australia, you know we've been, we've been talking about the potential of six or seven girls, you know, yeah. standing down in in yep. a couple of months' time. Yep. And then now it's pushed back, you know, another twelve months. Yeah, and it, it's look, it's got to be really uh, difficult mentally for the athlete, you know. So being an athlete and saying, all right, I, I'm my goal is to get myself into peak physical condition for July you know, June, July, August, September, get the Olympics, get that gold medal around my neck and then right off into the sunset. Yeah. To now, shh, damn, I, I've got to <laughs> stop myself from swearing, man. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've now got to do, I've got to do this again. I've got to do this. I would extend this somehow for another 12 months. Yeah. And, and not only that, I've got to extend it without leaving my house unless it's essential. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, the, the whole, the whole process around, yeah, high performance is, is very challenging at the moment. Yeah, and you know, there's there's only so many skills you can work on by yourself. Mm. Um, you know, you can do a lot by yourself, but you know, short of putting some gloves on and and passing the footy or passing a different footy between each other or something, there's there's not a lot you can do. Um, so it's yeah, it, it's going to be trying times, but ultimately, I think we're all going to come out of the other side of this much more responsible. Yeah. Um, and, and I think with a newfound appreciation, you know, I can't tell you how many people have come out on social media and texting and talking to them on the phone. Oh, I miss rugby. So you haven't been to a rugby game for three years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But now you miss it. Right. So, you know, I, 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 I truly hope that when it all returns to normal, we can pack out a stadium somewhere and sell out a rugby game because, yeah. Who knows when we're going to get it again, and yeah, and exactly. and who knows when it can get taken away from us again? Yeah, exactly. All right, let's uh, let's throw to Nadine. Nadine, thank you so much for joining us all the way from uh, South Africa. Look, for, first of all, we should probably just ask you how you are. Um, obviously, it's uh, a bit of a crazy time at the moment. Are you, are you keeping busy? 
Uh, yeah, trying to keep busy, you know, keeping the mind busy throughout this time and like still trying to stay fit and working on the skills. Um, it's I know it's a very difficult time for everyone at the moment. I think especially for the people that, you know, that gym freaks or, you know, like to work out and things like that. So, yeah, like uh, for, for me, it's just trying to stay fit, trying to keep the mind busy. Um, and I'm also still busy studying. So if it's for me working a little bit, doing small tasks in the home, um, you know, training every day and, yeah, just trying to keep the skills up. What are you What are you studying at the moment? I'm doing my honours in educational um, law and policy, so it's the, in professional development of educators. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, unreal. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Look, I thought we'd um, take go all the way back to the start. Where Where did you grow up? Where are you from originally? Uh, well, I grew up in a town called Limpopo, um, so that's the, proven- the provincial Limpopo, yep. and then in Polokwane on a farm. So, yeah, I grew up there, um, went to Pidihu, the primary school, and then I went to Petersburg High School, um, and yeah, that's where I spent most of my childhood times. Yeah, and sort of when you were growing up and, and going through school, one of the I guess one of the big things here in Australia is a lot of our our young female athletes aren't offered um, I guess a massive range of sports. What sort of sports were you offered as a, as a school kid in South Africa? Well, in primary school, they like there's various of sports. Um, I played netball, I played tennis. Um, there was a stage that I played hockey. Um, I swam. Um, so I participated in swimming. Um, aesthetics was a big part mm-hmm. um, of my sports, you know, my sports in, in primary school. And then I played cricket as well in primary school. And then going to the uni- uh, I mean, to high school, um, like you have to almost scale down on all the sports you want to participate in because it's very difficult with academics and sports because you're more away from school. Yeah. Um, when you participate in more sports. So I mainly did athletics um, and netball. And then at, I participated in cricket as well. And then I just did um, cross country, like it's more at the end of the year. So that was for me just to stay fresh, you know, when the next season came for athletics and, and the netball. Um, and then in 2013, like media, I started with CrossFit. Um, oh, yeah. So that was also a, a, a big sport, like becoming mm. part of my life. Yeah. So at, at what age did you start sort of playing rugby? Uh, well, for me growing up on the farm, um, it's like, it's not family, but it's family friends. So it's yep. very close. Um, and there was a little boy, uh, and he normally, when he invited friends over, or it was just me and him, and then uh, his cousins was, were also staying on the farm. Um, then, like, they would call me, and we would play rugby, we would play cricket, we would play baseball, play soccer. Um, we ran against each other. Um, and that's kind of, it's almost like I grew up in a rugby, a rugby house. Um, so from there, like, the rugby skills were developed. And then when I went to the university, um, University of Pretoria, the Lady Sevens coach um, approached me while I was training athletics. Um, and it was quite a difficult time for me with the athletics. Um, I had a coach. Um, he was he also coached Oscar Pretorius. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, and there was quite difficult times like, that like we got to training and he wasn't there and he never let us know and it was me and a, another American athlete, um, Chris too was his name. I'm not sure what his what what's his surname. Yep. Um and then we were like, okay, but where's where's the coach? And like we started tried calling him and he didn't answer. Um and then we just decided to train on our own at at the sixth athletics track. And then 
in that time, the the six seven ladies coach um, approached me and he asked me then I want to come to training um, evening and. I went to training and a month later, in it was in 2015, um, I went, like I was chosen for the team uh, to tour to France and that was my first tournament I played for the University of Pretoria Ladies 7th team um, in, in Paris. Wow. So one month from, yeah. from uh, switching from athletics to 7th. To yeah, wow. yes. it, it was That's quite quick, um, and obviously I didn't expect like that opportunity to come this quick, like or that quick over my path. Like mm. normally, when when you're a year, because I matriculated in 2014, mm-hmm. um, and 2015 was my first year at the University of uh, Pretoria, um, and then obviously like just yeah, out of nowhere, coach approaches you and asks you to come join a practice and I joined the practice and I was like, wow, I really like this and I enjoyed <laughs> the training. And I just kept on going and I feel like, okay, no, there's something going to happen, yeah? Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what um, with athletics, what was your sort of, um, I guess, event of choice? Obviously, in, in the sprinting. Yeah, so I was a four-meter. 400 meter hurdle athlete. Um, I like running hurdles. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did short distance hurdles um, when I was in primary school and in a part of high school, but unfortunately the, the hurdles goes higher and I stay short. So um, <laughs> I decided to put all my energy into the 400 meter hurdles. Yeah. Um, I think I ran quite good times on it so I decided to keep going with and my coach also decided that that's the best for me um, and then also I did 400 meter mm-hmm. um, and yeah in, in high school I did 200 meters and 100 meters but at university like we decided no let's keep it to two events and like keep our focus there and work hard on that and yeah that that was my event. It makes it pretty hard to, uh, you know, I assume you had sort of Olympic aspirations. It must have been really difficult to, you know, feel like you're this elite level sprinter or elite level runner and then all of a sudden your coach kind of disappear on you. And, and you mentioned earlier that you started training on your own. Is, you know, what was that like? What was that, I, I guess, um, you know, it's a, it's a difficult thing to, to maintain motivation on your own. What What was the thing that, you know, motivated you to just want to train on your own? Well, the fact that since I've started with athletics and I realized, like, you can really go far um, in athletics. Like, you can go to the Olympics, there's Commonwealth Games. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also travel overseas, go run, you know, the Diamond League and all those type of competitions. Um, But for me, it was always about, it's about the passion. So I had passion for doing sports. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, sometimes it's hard, you know, getting up and be like, oh, now I need to go and train on my own. Mm. Um, but that's the thing. What's the thing you're doing when no one's watching you? Mm. Um, you know, like, what do you do behind the screens? And in my mind, I was just like, well, I've come so far with athletics. Um why do I want to stop now when there's hard times like that where you coach, your coach just disappears on you? Mm. Um, and, you know, like, you still have to keep working hard and you still need to think about all those things that, that give you that passion every day. Um, and also, where do you want to end up with, you know, with this, this certain sport you're doing? For me, it was obviously athletics. And, yeah, I... Like my biggest dream in athletics was to go to the Olympics, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's weird how it changed. Like with the rugby, <laughs> but for me, that that was like so I'm a, a big Christian and I'm a big believer of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that was God closed one door for me to show me that He's opening another door for me, and mm-hmm. I think that like He opened the door of another opportunity in my life to show me like you know you. You excel in sports because that was me in primary school and high school. Like, 
doesn't matter what I'm doing, like I enjoy doing sports and I, you know, I just enjoy that moment where you can train and almost like you can let everything out there where you, you know, where you train and there's always a dream in something you do. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love that you mentioned, um, you know, the, the work that you do when people aren't, when people aren't wanting, you, you know, James and I, as you know, coach a women's team here in Canberra and, you know, we, we had a, a very young group of, of athletes this year and we, we, we performed above, above what people expected. And, and a lot of the comments we got were, wow, you know, these girls have come a long way in such a short period of time. And, you know, we always used to say to them, yeah, yeah, that's one way of looking at it. But the other way of looking at it is that, you know, these girls have been getting up at 5 a.m. to come and do a gym session for six or seven months, mm. do some skills afterwards, then go to work, go to school, go to uni, then go to their job, um, you know, in the evening sometimes, and then come back the next day and do it all over again. So I, lo- I love that you mentioned that because, you know, the the game itself, the stuff that you see on the field, you know, that's great, but no one actually appreciates all the hours spent, you know, sometimes, or as you, as you said, on your own, um, you know, just putting it, doing that grind, putting in that work. You know, you mentioned you mentioned you had a passion. What was it about rugby? You know, once you made the switch, that really made you want to stick with it. Well, I think with the rugby, like when I realised it's also an Olympic sport, mm. um, I saw I saw that opportunity, um, and it. Yeah, it's very struggling for us at the moment. Like last year, we we qualified at the African Cup um, for the Olympics, but mm-hmm. because Saskok signed something of, um, I'm not sure with, well, I think with uh, the Rugby Union, mm-hmm. um, they're not sending us to the Olympics again. Um, and then Kenya, who came second in that tournament, is going for the second time. Yep. Um, because I know it was the similar case in 2016 when the ladies qualified. Oh, no, they qualified in 2015. Yeah. Um, because the Olympics was in 2016, yes. And um, I wasn't part of the system yet by that time when they played that qualify um, or that African Cup where they qualified automatically through the continent. Mm. Um, but it's the second case that it happened again. And, yeah. and yeah, unfortunately, because there's that agreement or that on black and white that they're not we can't. Basically, what I've heard, um, and I'm not sure how truthful it is, mm-hmm. um, but I think it, you know, it might be the truth, um, because they say that we can't go and compete at the Olympics, so we won't be able to get a medal at the at the Olympics and. We are not a current um, core team on the HSBC World Series. Um, uh, yeah, the World Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if we're not in the top eight of the World Series, then they don't want to send us to the Olympics. Um, but now, our case, our scenario is that how do they like? How does Saskatchewan want to sign off something like that? Not sending us to the Olympics. Because we're not a core team on the World Series, mm. um, and we're not even on the World Series, mm. so we don't understand how they can sign something off with with that type of you know a scenario that they like. Okay, you're not a top eight team on the World Series, but we're not even on the World Series. Um, and through World Rugby regulations, we like we qualified righteously, like. That, World Rugby says you have to qualify through your continent. Yeah, which you've done. And if done. you don't qualify yeah. through, which we've done. Yeah. Um, and if you don't qualify through your continent, then you go to the repercharge. Yeah. Um, but we rightfully qualified and, like, there's no point in us going to the repercharge because um, I think it was also too late um, with things like that. But also the CEO of, Soru said, we just have to qualify, um, mm. they'll do the rest. And then weeks after we got back from Tunisia last year, mm. um, they told us, 
uh, we're not going to the Olympics again because they couldn't get it right or something like that with, with that box. Wow, that that's really disappointing. Um, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Um, I think, like, especially for, you know, certain players like Marvin Simmers, Zanae mm. Dawn, like, Zanae is almost like, I think she's almost at the end of her career. And for her, like, I think it's very hard for them to take it a second time again, you know, going through the same things again, qualifying, not going to the Olympics. Um, because I remember 2016, like, watching the Olympics with them, like, you could see, like, they're, they're taking it very hard. Like, you mm. could see, like, it, it hurts. So, yeah, and, it's, and I can imagine it hurts because everyone has a dream to go to the Olympics. Um, you know, if, if, even if it's with athletics, netball, um, rugby, uh, you know, anything, table tennis, you know, all the sports there is Olympics has to offer. Um, I'm sure if you, you know, you do well in your sports, like you really want to go there and you really want to work hard for it. And well, I think for us as a team, we worked very hard, you know, to qualify, to make sure we qualify. Um, and our people that have the pen and the paper in front of them signing, like they don't realize what we are doing every day. You know, like that, what I said, like the hard yards you put in, the extra work you put in, um, the things you do when no one's watching. Um, so, yeah. And, and look, I, I think it's disappointing. It's disappointing for a number of reasons, but, you know, there there is a, a qualification system in place for teams that aren't, you know, a, a core team on the World Series. And, you know, you guys have satisfied that agreement. And it, it sounds like a administrator somewhere in the system has decided, well, since they're not a, a core team, we don't want to send them to an Olympics. And and that's just, it's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we would have played um, now, I think it was in the 28th, and 29 March. Yeah. Um, we would have played the the qualifiers, so the HSBC World Series qualifiers right, for yep. the women. Yep. Um, but unfortunately, like that Thursday, yeah. Um, I think the 26th of March, when our president called the lockdown. Yep. Um, and obviously, if two I think two weeks before that they said about the COVID 19 that there should be stuff isolation and then we heard the the um the tournament got postponed so mm-hmm. we don't know a date yet for, for when the tournament will be yeah um so yeah that was also like a bit not disappointing but, but it was like oh like you know some of the players were all of the players were really excited to go to you know play in the qualifiers it would have been played in Stellenbosch there at, at our home ground. Yeah. Um, which is also, you know, we don't get to play a lot back at home. Um, so that tournament for us was another opportunity to, you know, play against the, you know, your home, your home crowd. Mm. Um, and then for that tournament to be postponed again, I think there was really excitement in training camp um, to just play again because we don't get to play a lot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we were really excited just try and qualify for the World Series, and obviously that's the the long term goal now. It's short term was to qualify, and then long term getting back onto the World Series and trying to stay on the World Series and always become like a top ten team mm. um, on the World Series. Uh, so that was one of our biggest goals as a team. Um, but I, like, I don't think it. Everyone goes through the same thing. Uh, you know, the whole world goes through that. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, everyone had their lockdown. Some countries are still in, in, in lockdown. Um, so I think as soon as they get, kind of can release a date, you know, for the tournament, everyone will kind of know, okay, get your mindset ready. This is when yeah. we'll start training again, when we'll start working hard again. Um, and then working towards the goal stays the same. Um, so, yeah, for us, it's just being there to qualify. And then if we qualify to get back onto the World Series, then people 
some if that administrating the system goes against us then when we qualify right to through our continent um like world rugby regulation state mm. uh then if we're on the world series then they can't go against us so hopefully if we you know like the opportunity is taken away from us to to participate in the olympics that's um, moved to next year 2021 yep um then we'll just have to like you know like work hard so it's the next olympics um but now again with with that with that saying like for the all the players like zanay yordan um morfin simmers and some players that might struggle with major injuries where you have to almost like manage them more than certain players Mm. like you never know how long their rugby career is going to last. You know, is it, it going to last for another four years yep. for them to participate in the Olympics? Um, and then obviously that's for our SNC and our FISU to see, okay, where can we manage them? You know, for, for them to also make that dream come true. Because like I said, I've, I'm sure like you, you don't want to get hurt a third time. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, then for that players, you know, that career is ending soon. Yeah, um, you know, you're not getting younger; you're actually getting older. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's 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 eight years worth of work. You know, there there there's a yeah. there's, as you as you mentioned, there's a group there that were there four years ago or five years ago, and you know they've gone through this process once. Now they've gone through it a second time. I you know I yeah. I can only imagine um, the frustration that you guys must feel over that and. Look, you know, here's hoping that having the Olympics move the year, you you know, you guys can can get that qualification, and then, you know, hopefully they'll have to re reassess their decision, and and they'll have no reason not to send you. Yes, um, I'm not sure how that's gonna work because yeah. obviously there's very uncertainty now. Like even when the Super Rugby season is gonna carry mm. on, um. I know there were some test match- matches the Springbok men would have played now in April, May. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the the main sevens, um, I think it was the, the London and Paris that was moved to October. Or no, it was Hong Kong and Singapore that got moved yeah. to October. And like, we're not even sure if, you know, World Rugby is going to let the season even carry on mm. um, because we're not sure how long this COVID-19 is going to carry on, you know, in South Africa, how long are we still going to be in lockdown? Yeah. Um, and I thought China got a second outbreak um, on the news. So, like, oh, no. you really, like, there's almost like not a, there's not a certain date, like, yeah. when it's, okay, the COVID-19 is done, um, you know, and so, yeah, so it, all, it also maybe depends when when World Rugby decides when the qualifiers will be. Yeah. If it's hopefully at the end of this year somewhere, then maybe, you know, when we get onto the World Series then for next year, the next season, um, I think it's obviously going to take hard work to, to get into that top 10 and be like, listen here, yeah. we are a team to go and, you know, participate and compete at the, at the Olympics and, I think like you should send us, mm. um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure who's the person that's gonna have to make that decision. Um, and I think also like for Kenya, I mean, they like their federation was like, okay, we send you. So mm. you know, I'm, I'm not sure how they're gonna, you know, burn that like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Make make that possible to tell them, listen, you're not going anymore because. South Africa qualified righteously through the continent. Um, so we decided on sending them now because they're on the World Series and, you know, like almost sending their story. Yeah. So I'm not sure how, how, how that's going to happen and if it's going to be possible. Um, but it's, I think for us as a team, like we just want to focus on qualifying to get back onto the World Series and then to stay on that, on the World Series. Yeah. Um, and I guess just so, just control what you can control. Yeah. Yes, well, because the you know the decisions people people that's higher up um, in the system 
Like yeah. we can't control their decisions, but we can control how they think. So if we That's perform right. on, you know, on the on the big stage, then hopefully they can see it and then be like, okay, cool. Um, they've been working hard, and we can see that. Obviously, statistics will speak for itself. Yeah. Um. So if that if we do our job and the statistics speak for itself, then they don't have they won't have a choice in not sending us. No. And what do you think? And maybe some of the key areas for you know for maybe the way you play the game or um to sort of get South Africa back onto the World Series more full time. Well, I think for us first first of all um, is. If it happens that we get back onto the, the World Series, we're going to kind of have a problem because at the moment, I think we have 14 or 15 contracted ladies. Yep. Um, last year, we only had eight contracted ladies. Yep. Um, so we got a bit more, you know, players to, to get contracted. Um, but the thing is, you know, when you play a back-to-back tournament, there's more that likelihood of getting injured um, getting that soft tissue injuries, um, then you almost want just that extra players. Like if you take our men, um, you know, they have the academy side that's very well. Um, if someone gets injured at a tournament, it's easy to get someone else in because the system is the same. So we we don't have systems to feed off. Like yep. there's the University of Pretoria, they like they almost like have a system, part-time system. Um, they travel a lot overseas, so they get that exposure of, of you know playing internationally. Um, where and I know university, the University of Johannesburg, they also started recently to start touring overseas and and um, get at international games on. But unfortunately, like. We don't have rugby in schools. Yeah. Um, I know we have the such league, like also the, um, I think it's the IPLs or something like that. Um, so I know there's such players coming through. We had some such players in training camp at a, at a stage um, where they like they enjoyed it, but you could see like the contact. It's it's a new skill they have to develop. Yeah. And some of them are scared, which means that some of them won't make it. And then I think the tougher ones that like the contact, um, that and you can see like their development is quick and they learn quick, mm. they are the ones that will survive. Mm. Um, I think in the system at the end of the day. So for us that's our biggest problem at the moment is we don't have a lot of feeding systems in South Africa. Yeah. Um I mean, the one tournament that was a tournament in 2015 that I played in, it's the Interprovincial Sevens Tournament. Yep. So that's where I got seen for the Springbok Women's Sevens team um, by Coach Renfrew Dazel. He's the assistant coach with the Springbok Sevens men now, yep. with Coach Neil Powell. Um, he was the coach back then, and like he saw me there, and that's when I got... Um, called up into into the training camp. Um, so that tournament was 2015 and 2016, and then after that it got cancelled. So there's no yeah, more like tough. a provincial team to yeah. you know to play against each other, and then the you know the national coaches go like they go there and they scout players and they mm. bring players in, and you know you have a squad of 50 or 40 people where you can actually train properly. You know, you can, you can work with, you have numbers to work with. Yeah. Whereas now we, we 14 in, you know, in a training camp and you almost have to be like very cautious with, with what you do because, um, you know, obviously training is harder on your body because mm-hmm. you have that certain amount of players and you can't, too much because you have to look after your players and um, obviously you have to manage your players as well. You don't want to break them in, in one week. Mm. Um, so I think for us that yeah, you know, that's something we need to work towards in, in South Africa is getting our feeding systems right, getting women's rugby in primary schools and high school. Yeah. Um, and then to get 
you know, the almost like yeah, in South Africa we have, and I'm sure everywhere, like I saw Australia also has it, like where the universities play against each other. That's right. Yeah. Um. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's the same for the men. Yeah. Like especially for the 15s, and there's a seventh tournament as well uh, for the universities. Um, they started last year for the women, but there was only four universities participating um, in this tournament. Um, so they're hoping to get more teams, like with the men, get twelve, you know, yeah. women teams in this tournament, and hopefully, you know, the national coaches can go there and be like, okay, this is what we see. Let's get a group. Let's get an academy group for the women. Mm. Um, and then you have your, you know, your your main squad, like that. Your 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 Springbok Women's Seven squad and then the academy side which if something happens you know in the tournament on the World Series then it's easy to get a player up and you make and you know they're all on the same standard because the system is the same standard yeah it's it's something that um, Australia has now at a, at a senior level so they're the competition that, that James and I coach in we coach the University of Canberra in in that provincial competition Ten universities. Uh, each university has twenty-four uh, girls who who play on on that yep. team, um, and then you know ab- above that now we we also have a, a, an academy group of women's uh, sevens academy. So you know that that group consists of about sixteen girls, and then there's another twenty um, fully contracted girls with the with the national team, and then the next step, you know, which is something uh, James and I are really passionate about, is is now getting it into schools locally and getting the girls playing, you know, from 15 years old instead of picking it up, you know, as you did it at at 18, 19, 20. Yeah, because a lot of the girls here are playing netball or touch touch footy through school. So trying to just get a little bit more exposure and some some schoolgirl competitions happening, which will hopefully then feed into the university's pathway, which then keeps building the national team. So. Yeah, we tried, um, our coach tried, like, there was this show, Becoming in Bogoro, um, mm-hmm. where they tried to get crossover athletes, um, you know, to come try sevens. Um, and the whole aim of the show was getting crossover athletes. But then there was, in the show, you could see there was, like, sevens ladies or fifteens ladies that, yep. you know, tried out the trials and things like that but so that was almost like a the goal was to get crossover but it's almost like that box wasn't ticked because that is um almost like the same people that he saw and he didn't really there's yeah. certain players that he got like that made it and yep. then others that didn't so some made it to the show and then obviously each time there was someone that got sent home or, or yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, we got one crossover athlete, uh, Alyssa Conley. Yep. Um, she's an ex-Olympian uh, sprinter. Um, but, like, just to see, it, it, it's very difficult for them because, like, she never touched a rugby ball in her life yeah. before. Um, yeah. She's only a sprinter, so... You know, she only knows how to run straight on a track and, and that's <laughs> about it. So yeah. now you have to learn it, you know, like use your feet. Um, now you have to learn how to pass, not only like standing still and pass, but running and passing, you know, running and catching. Um, you know, and sometimes for them it's quite difficult to, to catch a ball on speed. So it's almost like you have to teach them that. Yeah. Um, and obviously, coming from athletics to rugby, it's a it's a it's a whole different thing if you're not used to it. So it's it's, it's very new and it's very challenging. Absolutely, um, so, and you know, you mentioned before about the contact. You know, if someone doesn't like contact, it's really really difficult to teach them to like it. And and as you say, yeah. you know, they just don't progress. Um, and then yes. you know, for for sprinters, they they're used to just going one speed, right? Just you know, the the gun goes and, and we just take off. You know, rugby is stop, yeah. start, it's side to side movement, you know, it's yeah. it's slow to fast Very to slow. Turn, you know. Yeah. 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 Um but yeah, uh so yeah, like so we got her, but now, you know, it's one athlete we got. Um 
and then others didn't make it. And obviously, the the way we want to build a system is we want to, you know, we want a player driven system. Um, yeah. But it's also it, it's difficult because, it, like, I think it was your system obviously chooses the people that will fit into the system. Mm. Um, and that sometimes, you know, if someone doesn't buy into your system, then you can't have that play in your system. Yeah. Um, so that's also, that, that's a very difficult part. I think also, like, from a coach's perspective, um, you know, you obviously you want to look at talent. You want to look at someone that can actually pass. And um, especially for sevens, they must have various type of skills, mm-hmm. um, you know, to fit the sevens game. And... Yeah, and that's I think that's quite difficult at the moment in South Africa. Is like we don't have that feeding systems. We don't have a lot of players that we can choose from. Um, and like some girls only start playing rugby when they go to university, yeah, um, where they can get exposed to it. Um, because you know the University of Pretoria, University of Johannesburg, and then the University of Stellenbosch. Uh, I think if you look at like the most three familiar universities. All three of them had a seventh lady system in place, um, but they're starting at a late age. So so now you have to start learning them how to pass. You know, it's quite difficult to teach someone how to pass if they never touch a rugby ball before. Um, Whereas in primary school, we called it baliki rugby. So the little guys, like, they play and they get used to the game. They get the feel of the game. By the time you come to grade three, grade four, you know how to play rugby. You know the rules of rugby. Yep. Now, with, you know, these girls going to university, get exposure to seven. Now, suddenly, they have to learn everything. It's like getting a new subject. And, okay, whoa, like, your brain just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All of the spins yeah. and, you like, you get so confused because... Like, there's a lot of rules in rugby, and there's a lot of things you can and can't do. Um, so, you know, like, teaching them that, and, like, it's a lot of things to teach them. So, whereas, you could say, okay, they start in primary school, almost a similar thing with the, you know, the little boys, start yep. playing bigger rugby, get used to touching a rugby ball, um, you know, and then they get that exposure at a young age. So, by the time they get to university, they already play rugby, they know the rules. Yeah. Um and also it will be way easier to, you know, to to get an academy system from that going than getting women into the academy system that can't pass yet. Yeah. So and yeah. they don't know the game yet. So now you have to teach them to know the game. But you want to excel on the World Series, but now you can't because <laughs> you don't have that it's, you don't have that basis right. Yeah, it's um, it's really it's yeah. a re- it's a really difficult conundrum because, as you say, you, you know you've got fourteen girls, and if you're going to invest in someone, you know, and 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 jump that up to fifteen, if you've got to spend six months teaching them how to play the game, you know, all of a sudden you've got fourteen others that are probably bored, um, and then and, yeah. and then yeah, it, it, it's it's really tough, and and unless you get that system right, and and probably the more important point is. You know, you mentioned there's a couple of universities, but how often how often are they actually getting to play the game, or are they just doing a lot of training and and you know maybe playing one or two tournaments throughout the year? Well, I know the University of Pretoria like they play a lot of tournaments yeah. um, internationally, so they normally play in the Centrale Sevens and the Stanislas Sevens that's yep. in France, yep, in Paris. And then they play the Benidorm Seven. Yep. Um, that one is in Spain. Yep. Um, they always play Dubai. Yep. Um, and then they started playing the October Fest Seven in 2017. Yep. Yeah, 2017. And then they played this since then. Yep. Um, so they get to play four to five tournaments a year. Um, you know, but also they got a big sponsor. Um. Uh, Delta Drone, that company is a sponsor, and they they give them quite enough money to be able to travel. Yep. Um, like with the other universities, they either play. Um, I'm I'm not sure what tournament like inter varsity. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. But yep. into varsity is that that four teams that they started last year, and only four teams participated there. Yep. Um, and then there's some local, like Hermana Sevens, is a local local tournament that the University of Stellenbosch played at. Yep. Um, and like there's not a lot of tournaments for them to play in, in South Africa. There's like I don't know about a, a lot of local tournaments other than the 15s because the 15s play like the provincial yeah. tournament. So a lot of players go to 15s because well, they're getting know, they extra games. might get more time, yeah. yeah, game time. But, you know, 15s is different than 7s. Like you need that fitness in 7s, you need speed, you know, Absolutely. your one-on-one skills needs to be sharp and your passing needs to be good because you have to make a 15 to 20 meter pass um, mm. on the field. So, you know, to cover that distance. So, yeah, like there's not a lot of tournaments um, in South Africa. Like I know Armada Sevens, Maisna Sevens. Um, that's two tournaments I know of that's in the Western Cape around that area. Um, and then Six, how, uh, so you was with your first, Pretoria, how the tournament last year at, at the start of the year. Um, so there was a few teams as well. And then I think the University of Johannesburg also like they also tried to you know, to to get to get some tournament like to um how the uh, be the host of the tournament. Mm. Um so yeah, I think maybe if it's maximum four to five tournaments that's local in South Africa, um, then that's the most it is. And then some teams, like, if you if you have a team in Limpopo, they, they can't normally travel to the Western Cape because either they don't have funding, yep. um, you know, or there's no time. And some of them are working working players. So, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Yep. Yeah, and, and when you make that jump from the, I guess, the university system into the national team, there's obviously some challenges there with not playing massive amounts of football. But for you personally, what were some of the, I guess, the hardest aspects of making that jump? Um, well, for me, obviously now, you know, in at university, we're like, okay, you're in a team, but it's, it's not a system. It's not called a system. Yeah. Um, where when I got to the SA team, I was like, okay, so here's a system, you know, you like you full time, yeah. um, so it's your job. You you earn money for playing rugby. Mm. Then you realize, okay, so there's more than just playing rugby. Like you have to invest in people, um, you have to invest in their time, you know, getting to know them better to be able to get to know them on the field. Mm, yeah. Whereas at university, like you come and go. So during the day, you go to classes, you go do your extra training if you want to do extra training. Um, when you get to rugby training in the evenings, um, then that uh, hour and a half you get to spend with that that people. Some of them becomes your becomes your friend. Uh, you know, over weekends you will maybe do something together. Um, but yeah, it's only it's maybe two or three people you you know, you spend that extra time with. Whereas in the national system, like you spend time with if you fourteen people, you spend time with all thirteen people. Yeah. Um every single minute of the day. So, yeah. you know, over weekends, like if you have to if you want your team dynamics to get better, you you have to know each person, you know, personally, like you have to know what triggers them. You have to know what makes them happy. You have to know what makes them angry. So, yeah. you know, like <laughs> to make each day better for one another. Whereas at university, in that team, you don't really worry about it because you play rugby. It's not it's not professional. It's only part-time. Uh, you know, you, you enjoy it to travel with the team and stuff. But that's the same as the national team. You enjoy traveling and, yeah. you know, you... But also, there's there's more in it as at university. Um, so that was that, like that was not difficult, but it's just things that I realized that that's the difference between university and a national system. Yeah, and um, and how so, yeah. how often 
as a South African national team, are you guys getting to play together at the moment? Well, like last year, we, I can't remember how many tournaments we played, but it wasn't a lot of tournaments. Like yeah. We played at the African qualifiers yep. uh, or the African Cup. Um, so that was one tournament. Then we played at that University of Pretoria tournament. Yep. Uh, we played in the Armona Sevens. Um, we went to Paris, so we played in in France, the Central and the Stanislas. Yep. So that's four tournaments. Um, and then we played Cape Town Sevens last year. So we played five tournaments the whole year. Yep. Um, also budget, you know, funding, and so you. There's not a lot of funding yep. uh, to play a lot of tournaments, so you you kind of want to see, you know, where do you want that extra game time for the important tournament? And obviously for us, the African Cup was the most important because that was a qualifier that was seen as a qualifier for the Olympics. Um, so you want to work closer, get more game time in closer to that time. Um, yep. So yeah, that was about it. And then obviously the 15s had to. You know, to qualify for for the World Cup next year. Yep. Um. So some of the sevens ladies went to play 15s. Um. So that was some extra game time for those players. Um. Also to just get game time in. Um. But yeah, other than that, I think five tournaments was our maximum amount of tournaments we did last year. Wow. So it's a, it's not really a lot of football, really, when you consider. You know, as you say, it's full time. You're training every day. You're spending all this time, you know, training. You know, the 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 games are the fun part. You know, and, and if you don't yeah. get if you don't get to do that enough, it is really hard to gel and 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 progress as a team if you're not playing enough. Yes, and I think now, like, so the team four got or all the members of the squad four got together, like the fourteen that's now currently contracted and in the system. Like it's a it's a great group. Like mm. there's different type of people in, in the system, and it, it works very well now. Like um, the team dynamics. Like yes, we it's it's a very talented group, mm. um, it, and it's a very smart group as well. Um, and like you could see it in in Cape Town Sevens that we were a really great team. Um, everyone worked well together. Um, just a, there's, there's a great flow um, uh, between the people. So, you know, like, so, yeah, you always have that one that's the fun person in the team, the one that's <laughs> serious, the one that, you know, like all those type of different personalities you get in the team. Um, so I think if we can get more people, like the 14 people that's currently contracted, then that's a way to grow our system um, when we qualify to get back onto the World Series. Yeah, and, and look, I think I think it's it's going to be imperative that that you you know you, your administration find a way to at least get you to you know twenty girls on contract who can all compete at that level. Because as you say, you know you you know I'm sure you've played in tournaments where you started the week with twelve and you finished with eight because you know someone pulls a hamstring, someone gets a concussion. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's it's really difficult, you know, with just 14 to, to be competitive week after week or, you know, tournament after tournament. Yeah, so I think obviously for us how that that will be able to change is to qualify yep. um, for the World Series because when you're on World Series, there's, there's a part of your budget and that doesn't have to pay for, you know, your tournament. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and your, your flights, accommodation, all that. Travel yeah. costs. Yep. And then things like that. So if we qualify, that's a part of our budget going into, um, you know, salaries, uh, getting more players in, getting a salary raise, um, you know, to be able to live better. Um, So I think at the moment, obviously, that's in our hands. Like, it's almost like external pressure because you know you can, if we qualify, then our budget can, you know, even if it say if it stays the same or if we get more money um, from sorry, then you know that that's the possibility of 
getting more players into the system, um, contracting more players, having more numbers, uh, you know, to make it more competitive in training. If someone gets injured during training, then it's not a worry because that means if there's 20 contracted ladies, then we know, okay, it's fine. We have 19 other ladies. Yeah, and that's right. obviously the best 12 can, you know, can get selected for, for the upcoming tournament or, or whatsoever. So I think that part is us having to qualify for the World Series. And then if that happens, then that opportunities will open for us. Yep. Well, Nadine, thank you so much for your time. We've 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 been on the phone to you for almost an hour, so we we better let you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> but you know, honestly, uh, best of luck. Where you, you've certainly turned my, me into a South African fan. Yeah, I'm not not far behind. <laughs> <laughs> our, our boss at work That's is it. a South African. So yeah, so we'll, we'll have to let him know. He'll be um, happy. He'll be very happy. So look, thank okay. th- thank you very much, and um, you know, we look forward to. Hopefully, uh, catching up with you when you guys play, when you guys are qualified for the World Series and, and playing in Sydney, we'll be sure to have yeah. um, we'll be sure to have a, a Springbok jersey on. Perfect. Thank <laughs> you, Liam. Thanks, Dave. All good. Brilliant Great to chat. Thank you. Well, thanks again, Nadine Royce. That was uh, really interesting and insightful. And I'm hot. I'm I'm gonna. I need to write a letter to the South African Rugby Union. That's this is unbelievable. Yeah, for second year, second Olympics in a row is pretty, pretty poor. And I, you know how there, there's a clear qualification system in place, which is which is the same for every sport. There are tons of athletes, tons of sports where their teams, you know, aren't necessarily on the top tier of of whatever, but they qualify through their nation. You know, when when South Africa hosted the Soccer, soccer, football, wherever you're from, the World Cup. You know, the South African team played in that tournament, you know, having having been ranked, you know, 100 and something in the world. And they won a game in the pool. It's the Vervis Wireless that did it. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you look at the like, Jamaican bobsled team. like Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's crazy. And I guess the, their big focus is about them being um, full-time on the World Series and, you know, a top 10 team. But you can only become a top 10 team if you playing against those top teams and getting better consistently. So if, if their top competition is is the Cape Town Sevens where they get the World Series for one tournament and then the African Cup where they're playing, you know, the best African sides, if they're not, not getting the opportunity to play against, you know, your Australia's, New Zealand's, England's and sort of getting exposed to what top-level footy looks like, then, you know, their ceiling is sort of set at a certain level. Yeah, and, you know, to, to be a full-time professional program and only get to play five tournaments, of which four are, you know, what you would call tier two, mm. where you, you know, the, like she mentioned the Centrally Sevens. Like that's that's a competition that the Ramwick Magic or the, the Southeast Magic have been to. You know, that's a competition we were going to send a team to yeah. um, prior to it being cancelled. That's not that's not an international standard tournament. Yes, there's some some international standard teams going, but it's it's you know club. Club footy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess their they're one big tournament outside of the World Series is when they play um, in the international invitational stuff yeah, in, in, in Dubai, Dubai Sevens. And yeah. I think she's yeah. mentioning Hong Kong as well. Yeah. yeah, They're obviously great avenues, but as you mentioned, pretty pricey. And if you're not getting the budget and support, it's pretty hard. And uh, yeah, you know, you made this point offline. How, how do you expect your team, as an administrator, CEO, whatever, coach, how do you expect your team... To improve, if they're not given the opportunity to play against the best teams, yeah. and and the reality is at the moment the best chance they have to play against Australia, to play against New Zealand, to play against France, Russia, those teams is at the Olympics. Yeah, and it's, it's also one of the best opportunities for them to grow the game in their country. You look at Rio, like that. Everyone who talks about Australian women's sevens, the pinnacle was Rio. Yes, winning gold was a massive help, but. Before we got to the semis, half the nation was already buying in at, at you know how exciting this new game was, and if you know little little South African kids unable to see you know their idols at the Olympics playing, then you know there's not that avenue to, to grow the game that way. Yeah, it, it's just yeah, I, I I could hear the frustration in Nadine's you know when she was talking about it, and and I can only imagine what 
some of that that other group are going through having you know having now gone through this for the second time yeah it's some of the senior group that she said may not make it for that that next four year cycle which yeah. is which is devastating yeah so well yeah I, I you know that's kind of a de- depressing way to end the podcast but um Nadine Ruiz thank you again for your time O'Keefe I'm sorry but they've started playing the music again sorry James sorry mate so thank you again mum and dad thank you to the cover we will we'll be back in a week's time with a new guest